Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man! And just like that, the Watching Comics Podcast is back where we bring you the most trusted takes and opinions on the intersection of comic book entertainment, hitting your screens, both big and small, because it's the 21st century and watching comics is literally a thing. We're just a couple of geek dads from Nebraska. My name is Mitch. My co-host is Jake, and we are excited to be dishing on some more Disney Plus content because, well, nothing says zeitgeist like the mouse, right? Jake, how are you, man? I'm doing really well. Thank you for asking, as always. Um, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to be a nice guy. You, you're succeeding, man. I'm like, it's, about, you know, well, I'm not worried about you, but I genuinely care about your well-being and your family. I'm worried about you as how some of the both best and worst nights of my life have begun. So let's see where <laughs> this one leads. I suppose why you're wondering why I asked you here tonight. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we're doing. Uh, um, no, so the poll Jake, list the pol- is down to like three items, man. It's I not was just that about bad. to say the poll list is out of control. <laughs> it's it's not because it's here's my poll list. Quick cold all, turkey. My whole life, it's one of two things. The poll list is either like my entire Jake gets to go have fun budget. Or it's like two items and I can't right now. I've got two things on it. One of them is for my kids and I just can't let it be more than that. That's fair. Not that it's not that I don't want to read more day. It it goes, it goes in waves. It goes in waves. Yeah, Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, there, there's stuff that you feel like you've got to have the physical media for and the ones that you really want to support, like artists or, you know, representation factor, that sort of thing. And then others are just like, OK, this is a digital read or yeah. this is this is a trade read later. You know, this is this is a freebie for our listeners. Um, if you're new, if you're an old listener, whatever, what have you. Um, here's a tip and I, I don't get a lot of chances to put tips like this out there, but, um, <laughs> I have had people in my personal life ask me before, like, how do you decide what to read? Here's what I have landed on. Everything. I usually, right. Well, so at this point, if it's time, new, read it, right? Like at, at this point in history, you can get for comic books, a D a DC subscription, a Marvel subscription for digital and, you're going to read it about three to six months after it originally released, but that doesn't matter. You're going to get everything for the most part. You're going to miss some indie stuff, but you know, you can go track that down. So I always say, put on your pull list, two things, indie stuff that you can't get from a service that you really love. Right. So like when saga comes back, that goes on the pull list. And the other thing is closed ended stuff, right? Like 12 issue runs by an artist or a writer that you really love things really that have a definite experience ending. of like being in the moment and reading it yes. in real time and get the beginning to end. Yes. That's and, and do that. I'm doing that right then, now with the department of truth and it's oh, just very, right, yeah. very rewarding. How is that? Is that good? I haven't read any of it yet. Oh, you haven't. Yeah. So um, I'm taking, I'm taking my sweet time too. I'm kind of waiting to like collect them all and then really dive in and binge the whole thing. Oh, that's not, you know what? That's that's the grown-up version of that marshmallow experiment that they give to kids and monkeys. <laughs> like that's can if you could let your comic books stack up to six to twelve issues before you read them, you're gonna do just fine in life, buddy. Um, <laughs> well, I'm doing so, it with that, but Superman Red and Blue, I'm totally gonna read in the moment. <laughs> so yeah, you're gonna eat half the marshmallow. That's all right. So you're gonna have a mid-level job and a, you'll own your own house after 30 years. There you go. That's great. Um, oh, nailed it. Yeah, the American dream, man. Uh, half the marshmallow. <laughs> let, let me before we go too much deeper. Let me reciprocate. How are you, Mitch? Oh, thank you for asking, Jake. I am doing just. I'm fine. just trying to pretend to be as nice as you. That's really all right. we do on this podcast. <laughs> just trying to save face. Trying to save face. <laughs> That's the one thing that sucks about you not doing the intro, right? Is you don't get to be the first one to say, "How are you?" Well, yeah, but you know, like on those rare occasions where you're out and we get a guest to fill in. I, I I don't know. I feel like then I get to really look like a super nice guy. And so the only person you look nice to is me. I look nice to all the company. So you know, it's like you do all the work. I take all the credit. That's what we do around here. That's awesome. Well, anyway, we're just, we're trying to be nice. That's what we're doing here. Guys, yeah. toxic fandom, gatekeeping, don't do it. Support, support your local comic book shops and be friendly to each other. There, mm. that's it. Yeah. If somebody says something you disagree with, ask follow-up questions and not in a defensive way. And you know what? 
or help keep scrolling. People, yeah, that's just it. help people find things that they might like. And if you don't like the same thing, who cares? Man. So um, I guess we're therapists now. Yeah, I guess episode ev- over. Everything's better. See you next week, folks. Yeah, see you next week, folks. Falcon <laughs> Winter Soldier. Watch it. Everyone else is. Um, that's, that's yeah, like doing. Disney needs us to plug their show. Come on, man. I, I know, right? Guys, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a sequel to the Captain America saga. It's on this uh, <laughs> platform called uh, Disney Plus. <laughs> yes, might be a thing. Um, anyway, if you are a new listener to the Watching Comics podcast, welcome. I have no idea how you got here, but you are welcome here and thank you. If you are a returning listener to the Watching Comics podcast, you know what kind of ride you are in for, and we love having you along. So thanks for joining, everybody. Be sure to hit us up on Twitter. We are at Watch Comics Pod. That's comics with an X. After this discussion, you're definitely going to have takes, and we want to hear from you. So hit us up on Twitter as we discuss falcon and winter soldier first half of the mini series so jake here we go six episodes is really what what this mini run is going to be according to imdb and other reports that we have seen on the thing called the internet and then um it's probably going to be self-contained i'm assuming but we're three episodes deep we are at the halfway point so that means we've seen a lot but there are still massive amounts of threads that have not been tied together so um this is both a great time for the sake of content, but also a dangerous time for the sake of making grand sweeping gestures and statements on whether to say, do we like Falcon and Winter Soldier or not? But we've at least invested just about three hours. So I feel like that's enough for us to talk about. So um, Jake, you've got the three episodes under the belt. You finished them? Yes. Yes. Okay. You've done your homework. Well done. I have. Yeah. Well, you know, Pin a rose on your nose. It's funny. I, I hadn't thought about it in terms of you said, you know, we've got three hours we don't know if we like it yet, but I'm like, hmm, I've decided in way less than three hours that there are people I don't like before. Surely I can make a decision about this television show. So, uh, <laughs> I think I could. Yeah, but it's really fun. That's a really good. I, I don't know. I had like an existential crisis when you said that was like, oh, we've only seen half of it. How do we know if it's really good or bad? But if we've seen three hours of it, shouldn't we have some kind of it? I, I question it's, the whole nature of what we do in like 30 this, seconds. <laughs> this is, I feel like that lately I've been doing that to you in just about every episode where I, it, I say some random, I say some random whatever. And then you're like, crap, you just walked into my mental bank and shot the place up. <laughs> it's all right. You know, it's, I, I, I have a few days a week where I'm alone in the office and I just sit and I, I have my crises. Then as I plug away at work, I sit there and cry a little and I, you know, we get it done. Mm. We come Capitalism back and do it again next week. Finest. <laughs> yeah. But the thing no, is, I work is, for a nonprofit. I'm like a little bit outside that system, but a little bit in it. I don't know. So that means you're doing the right thing, which means um, we we give you an attaboy, but not much cash. It means <laughs> in 10 years, I'm going to move to the for-profit sector, make three times as much money. So yeah, but lose your soul in the process. I've done that. <laughs> we, <laughs> we've, we've both done that, done the nonprofit sector, done other stuff. Anyway. Okay. So here's the thing. I, I've been thinking about this a lot because um, Jake, you and I always struggle whenever we want to break down from a critical standpoint, because criticism is an art form and we think it's important. Yeah. I mean, it's what we're doing here, but when we come from a critical standpoint and we're about to say, we don't know if we like something or not. And that's tricky, especially when it's not a movie, because in a movie in, you know, two hours, I, I can have my definitive answer. Or if it's a Zack Snyder installment, then in three days, I will have my answer. And with this, I... Spoiler alert, I'm not sure I'm wild about this show, but I don't know how bold I want to get because I want to give it a fair shake too. Like it's six episodes, 50 to 60 minutes a pop, and I'm only halfway through. So so how much disappointment can I really have if I'm just going to put my foot in my mouth by the end of this whole thing three episodes later? I don't know, but I'm I'm leaning towards saying, what the heck are they doing? Jake, I don't know. Where are you at right now? It's funny because, and, and you sent me a few texts earlier today that I think to let everybody behind the curtain a little bit, I think Mitch thought I was ghosting him because I got an <laughs> apology. He was like, I'm sorry for spamming you. And I was like, no, 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 no. I have no, I, I was like, it's just that I literally have no idea how to respond without tipping my hand about how I feel. 
and and you know like we've said before we try to go in fairly blind although sometimes we break that rule and usually me more than you so um but when, I, when we did new mutants with geek hops that was totally <laughs> different we we're just like this is Listen, so bad this yeah so bad. there were no secrets on that it's like five minutes in i was like oh okay so this is the unhappiest i'll be in 2021 by the um, way if you haven't if you haven't caught it or you haven't if you haven't caught it on our twitter yet either check out the geek hops po- uh, podcast we were on there a week ago a little over a week ago and uh they had us on there great great people we enjoyed some choice beverages and we dished on the new new mutants movie and well it's important that you listen to that podcast if you're considering watching the movie because we might save well maybe not your life but we'll save an hour and a half of your life and that's that's we won't important save thing. your six dollars because god has a sense of humor and the movie will be streaming for free just a few days after we finished reviewing it for six dollars a pop <laughs> so uh that was an angry text i sent um it was so- But, you know, Mitch, after you and I texted, I I thought that we'd come to this point that we often come to where we feel like you and I are on the sliding scale. You know, we're like one step away from each other. But those Jake's creating a visual aid with his hands right now. Yeah, you can't see this right now, but I've got my (laughs) fingers here and they're like, yeah, there's like a sliding scale. You know, you got that middle right there. If you're on this side, you hate it. This side, you love it. And you and I are only one degree apart, but we're on opposite sides of that middle, right? Because the thing is like, I think I feel almost the same as you about all the same things, but my general impression is I think I'm enjoying this, but I really hope they don't screw it up in the next few episodes. Like, and it's, I think, I think I'm enjoying this. It's I think like, I like this, you know, there's, and, and we're going to dig into it. There's one thing that I think is not just like, I don't want to say save because that would imply that I'm not liking it. I am liking it, but there's something that's elevating this show for me. There's one element that is taking it from, yeah, that was fine to, yeah, I'm having a really good time here. Um, is anyone know, having wanna... a really, is really, are we in really good time territory with this show yet? I don't know if I we are. I am when... I'm just going to, I'm going to jump right in because I, I teased this on my Twitter. I'm going to jump right in. I am having a great time when Anthony Mackie is at the reins, man. Uh, I think. Except, okay. Oh, no, I'm not going to step on your, t- okay. No, yes. No, yeah. no, 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 I, no. Do your thing. I'm going to, I'm clearing out James yeah. Harden. Do it. Go. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. Anthony Mackie. I feel like when the story centers on him and his conflict you know, and, and we always point out there's a lot of honkies on this show. Right. And so like, it's, it's, it's for me, like, I don't want to dive too deep into, I want to, as white guy, appreciate somebody else's perspective through art. And I don't want to try to comment on it. I just want to soak it in, be there for the conversation. Um, When Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson is exploring his relationship with America. And when he's exploring what, what America means for him, the way it's treated him, the way it's treated his family, his friends, when he confronts the reality that uh, that there was a Captain America who was black and that he was mistreated so horribly, which is, um, for those among us who are, are history fans, you'll know that that mirrors a really dark chapter in our nation's history. Um, there, that's ripped straight from the what should have been headlines but got buried. Um, all that to say... When he's right there with his drama and with his struggle about whether he should have accepted the shield or not, I am there for it. I am enjoying it. I am loving it. And I am here to say that the way this show has to end for me, there's not another option anymore. This show has to end with him reclaiming the shield, becoming Captain America, and an announcement that he has signed a two to three movie deal to carry. I don't want to see him as an Avenger once in a while. I want to see Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson running the show, the star of at least two or three Captain America films. I, I want to see it. I want to see him fight the Serpent Society. I want to see all kinds of stuff brought in there. I, I, I just... I can't, if if it ends any other way, then I'm going to really hate it. I'm going to be honest. If this show ends with no Captain America or Bucky as Captain America or the U.S. agent or any of that, I I can't do it, man. I need to see Sam with the shield because I need that story to take center stage 
for at least one or two movies or three. I, I need it to dominate and be what we explore because there's so much rich material there to be mined and explored. And I, I that's what I want. That's when the show is at its best for me is when Anthony Mackie is in the driver's seat. I couldn't agree more. Anthony Mackie is... I mean, if you want to, okay, out of everybody that's been in the Avengers, if you want to make a short list of who are the most talented and versatile and electric performers on, on the whole lineup of the Avengers, Anthony Mackie's in the top 10, top seven. Like he's in, he's in the top, maybe even top five. He's in the top tier of most talented performers from, from that crew. And so I'm, I, what I was most looking forward to was the show was him finally getting a spotlight on the largest stage to show what he's shown in a lot of his smaller projects throughout his career the dude's legit and i couldn't agree more with your angle jake like one assessing his struggle with his american identity and and the ramifications of the history and what it's done to his family and all that and then the and then the real visceral reaction of what does it mean to be captain and does he want it does he not all of that like i'm right there with you i'm 100 all in the way you captured it was eloquent and yes he needs to be the captain. That's if if nothing else, we can we can both agree that we land here saying if Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be a show worth its salt, it's going to be because if nothing else, despite all of its faults, which we are about to get to, um, it, it at least landed the plane and said we have Anthony Mackie in our arsenal and we've never given him the agency. Now we are because the dude's going to don the shield. That just it feels like the right thing to do, right? Yeah. Here's where we're going to pivot a little bit. I agree with you, Jake, that the most interesting and poignant um, component of the story is when we're really unpacking the Anthony Mackie Sam of it all, right? That 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 tension, the the, the racial connection through America, the um, should I or shouldn't I be the captain, all of the baggage that he's carrying around and everything that he's got to try to work through, plus unpacking the, the, the damage that was done with the blip and everybody coming back. He's got a lot to go through here. That's when the show is at its most interesting. The other time when the show is at its most interesting is when we are following the refugees and my big question is is if the show is most interesting like by leaps and bounds most interesting when we're focusing on these two components of the story why are they the two least things we are spending the amount of time yeah. on in the first three episodes and they're they're periphery at this point and you know i'm with you and and i i'm going to say it's no one's fault, right? Like, I don't, I don't want to point fingers. Well, there's a lot of all. badly written dialogue for Bucky that they've got to squeeze in. <laughs> so, there. Dear God. And, Dear that, God. and that's just it. You know, who I'm trying to let off the hook here is Sebastian Stan. This isn't um, an indictment on him. I don't know if anybody no. except for maybe Tom Hanks and Daniel Day-Lewis can make that dialogue sound almost okay. <laughs> and that's just, you know, coming in, I knew I wanted to see Sam as Cap. I knew, you know, and full disclosure, I wanted that before I'd seen the show. So... But um, I knew that's how I wanted it to end, but I also was excited to see some exploration of Bucky and of what it would look like for someone to move on from being the Winter Soldier. God, and they're flirting with they're flirting that, with Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker, dude. Well, they're, they're flirting. The, the, with, how, uh, how much can I just say bad dialogue and furrow my brow and frown? <laughs> Well, it's a podcast, so I'm not sure how much your brow is going to translate. But you know, now that it's been said, we can just do like audible subtitles, right? Like, and right here, Mitch furrowed his brow, and just um, like Hayden Christensen in the three prequels of Star Wars, <laughs> just like Bucky in episodes two and three. Have we? Oh, okay, finish time. your thought. I cu time. I cut you off because no, I was your, my thought was just a comment on your thought that I I think that it's disappointing to see. Bucky that we know is an interesting character uh, be be shortchanged like this and and to see the I guess they're the 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 flag smashers um, we've taken that mm -hmm. that's one villain in the comics that's kind of been turned into an organization here and, and cool you know no problem with that I, the refugee angle is so fascinating at its core that I guess my question is with Marvel trying some bold new stuff right now, why not do a, a mini series, like three episodes, where you just explore some short stories about people coming back from the blip and, and give us some of that and let us spend some time in these refugee camps and hear these stories about people who like 
just woke up six years later and their home had been rented out to someone else or these people who had moved into a new home and then the original owner reappeared and took it from them. And like, show it's us not some a bad, of that. That's not a bad idea. I think what we could probably do is just take what they're going to be doing in each of these episodes and do that. Right. Like, or in right. each of these yeah. shows. Cause like we, we got, we got a taste of it in WandaVision. Mm-hmm. We got a taste of it here in winter soldier and we're probably going to get a taste of it in Loki, which would be my guess. Like we're, we're probably going to get different pieces of it. We could have just extrapolated that all and maybe made it into a mini thing, but I don't know. Like here, here's my biggest fear for this show. Jake yeah. is, um, I, I'm really worried that they're going to take a deeply meaningful and important and interesting narrative choice of the refugee piece, which is ripe with incredible social commentary and symbolism. I'm worried that they're going to take that engaging storyline and force me to root against them so badly by just turning them into or stereotypical murderous people. You know what I mean? Instead of actually letting them stand up for their cause. What I, what, what they could be doing here is a killmonger type of situation in black Panther, but I'm worried what they're going to do is botch it and just make it lazy and not do justice to that particular angle. And then I'm going to be sitting here at the end of the whole thing saying, and like, why did you choose to do that angle? if you weren't going to do it right, which is kind of a similar conversation we had with WandaVision, which is like, unpack all the grief, give me all the therapy, give me good acting and character nuance, but please don't just act like consequences don't exist in in the universe in any capacity. Well, and I'm I'm right there with you because I guess my, one of my big things with the refugee storyline that I keep looking at is um, it feels like if you're going to make them the villains, there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with that but you've got to give it some agency and you've got to give it I I guess the question is what I keep looking at it and wondering if these people are going to be the the antagonists let's stay away from the term bad guys here and and if they're going to be the antagonists there's a tragedy to be told here about how victims become radicalized and about how a cycle of oppression occurs and turns the oppressed into the oppressors and so on and so forth that can then turn those characters that are antagonists into tragic figures rather than villainous ones where what we're looking at is the real villain is the system and that could then intersect with Sam's story And it could intersect in some ways also with Bucky's story and with Zemo's story. So dear God, we could have a reason for Zemo to be there. And we could, could they have gotten a worse (laughs) actor? Okay. Keep going. (laughs) He's bad, right? I I don't necessarily, I, you know, I liked him in, in glorious bastards. So I'm I'm trying to be slow to say, I say like, I shouldn't be throwing his whole career under the bus, but his character choices for Zemo are not, it's a weird, it's a weird, weird interpretation. Uh, He, I don't know, man. Yeah. Oh, I I, will get there. Believe me. I got thoughts, but I, I just, I feel like, and maybe we're headed there for the last three, maybe, maybe in a month, you and I are right back here like, oh, crap. OK, so the writer's room had these ideas a year before we did. But it feels to me like there's an opportunity being missed if you don't explore that. And if the real villain here isn't systemic problems, that then that becomes the rallying cry for a new kind of Captain America. Right. And it becomes the point where Sam says, you know what? I'm not going to, by the nature of the thing, be able to be all things to all people. But what I can be is be who I need to be, which is what this symbol should be. And, and there's, there's this really elegant way that it could all weave together and smarter people than me could write it. I'm sure I've thrown out some problematic ideas and all that. And I, I just think there's a lot of real estate not being mined, but there's a lot of, but there's a lot of time spent making sure that we work in Madripoor because God help me, Wolverine hangs out there in the comics. Right? Gotta have Madripoor. And how many times can they say we need a symbol or he can't carry the shield? Exactly. My God. Like, but beat like, me over the head with it, guys. Gosh, it's like freaking um, Michael Bay level writing. But <laughs> he, he, 
the thing is, Jake, is you're right on the money from what needs to happen, which is that concept of like, okay, if we're, if we're unpacking systemic issues, if we're unpacking antagonism rather than villainy and, and needing to set up that tragedy in order for it to really be poignant, then there's got to be something about it that feels earned and emotional, right? So here in the first two and a half episodes, I'm finding myself empathetic with the refugees. And I'm excited about it because I'm like, yes, let's play up this angle. I want to follow them because they don't seem to be in the wrong here. Okay. And I, and I love it when I'm forced to live in the gray, which is again, is why I use the Killmonger angle from Black Panther, because I, I, w- I would dare say that Killmonger isn't a villain in Black Panther. He's an antagonist. Right. Um, and, and, and that's what it looks like to have what we're talking about here done well. Okay. That's, that's the example. And then at the end of the third episode, we have um, Carly's character just randomly causing an explosion that kills people and then has a throwaway line that says, this is the language that they speak, which she's not wrong, but that moment felt much too fleeting and unearned because we didn't, she wasn't pushed unearned, to the, unearned. She wasn't pushed to the pressure point. We didn't get set up for a tragic fall. We didn't make it. We didn't feel like our hands were tied and there was no other choice. And so to me, what that was, was a heavy handed, lazy choice to just say, we've got to make them villainous quickly rather than saying, let's unpack the story for the right thing. And that's not fair. If you're going to choose to include a, a earnest and humanized refugee angle. So what I'm saying is you can't have both. You can't take broad strokes with the comic book villain repaint brush and say, we're going to do that. But we also want to make you feel things for the refugee story. You either have to make it humanized and make it tragic. If that's the angle you're going to go, because that stuff matters. It's important. And from what I've seen on screen so far, they're in the right or you go the other way and just give us Red Skull and be like, okay, this guy is clearly the villain and we're going to be chasing this person for six episodes. I need one of those two. You can't go halfway on both and expect it to stick the landing. And, and I think that when you said unearned, you nailed it for me that there's so many moments in this show that feel unearned. And, you know, it's... it's I, I guess if I can pivot away from your deep, intelligent ponderings to why is Zemo here? Like, I, dude, I I don't know. Oh, because because Madripoor or whatever. It, well, he knew like, how to they get to the island. Flown to Madripoor without, or like, like there's no one else on Earth that knows anything about Hydra. Really, they controlled planet Earth secretly behind the scenes for 50 years. And this one dude who's in super, super ultra max prison, international black site prison lockdown is the one guy who knows the guy who like. And, and, and is this I don't know, his lockdown Tom? wasn't that good. If you saw how easy it was for him to just walk out of the building so and, so apparently, what? and apparently Bucky's walking down into the middle of the prison too, to be able to drop notes off on people's desks. <laughs> like what the heck Mitch, what happened? Did the blip affect some budgets or something like between civil war where he's like, if Hannibal Lecter got locked down a little bit more, to suddenly he's like just oh wander around we'll see what oh look bucky's here to visit and it just it makes no sense to me it was harder for sylvester stallone to break out of prison in the movie lockup than it was (laughs) for the for the for the for zemo to get out of the most intense prison that anyone has seen on comic book screens right like it's 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 ridiculous it was ridiculous and that like that speaks to a larger problem about tone which maybe we're not ready to have that part of the conversation yet but like this show also can't decide if it wants to take itself seriously or if it wants to be the master of quips and because of because of that Um, everything feels disjointed and uneven because you've got Sebastian Stan going dark brooding emo in the corner. Who's really trying to be all like, guys, I'm doing character work here. Mm -hmm. And then you've got poorly written jokes by other characters surrounding him all the time. And then you've got Zemo doing his whole little thing. Like, hello, I am sinister and you shall take me seriously. And then the, then he, and then the prison escape is just ridiculous. I can't decide if the show wants to be absurd or if it wants to be prestige. I, you know, I I think that 
if I was going to oversimplify, it feels to me like maybe we threw one too many ingredients into the stew. Mm-hmm. And like maybe on that big idea board where there are no bad ideas, when everybody's brainstorming and throwing everything out there, maybe we should have crossed out two or three more concepts because why can't we just get rid of, like, I agree with you. I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, I, no. t- I don't know, Jake, like I'm not, I'm not in the writer's room and I'm not a showrunner, but to me, it just, I guess maybe the reason why I'm so frustrated is because it doesn't seem that hard at least in these three episodes to say, you know what? We could have just dumped Zemo and given all of that extra time to Anthony Mackie. And that's just, you know, I mean, that's exactly it is if you lose one of these concepts, right? Like if you, and and I get Zemo is again, back to Hannibal Lecter. Zemo is the, we're going to bring the bad guy along to help us kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But (laughs) the the least interesting bad guy we've seen in the MCU. (laughs) Let's go ahead and do that one. Well, you know, I think there's some room to explore. Again, it intersects with all the people who've been done wrong by the man, but we're not exploring that angle, right? We're exploring that. Oh, by the way, I'm a Baron. Uh, and you know, it's, <laughs> I'd rather, you know what? If we're playing the comparison game, I would rather explore more of Mickey Rourke's whiplash than Zemo. Oh, right. Listen, because reportedly there's footage out there somewhere of Mickey Rourke really going deep on that character. Well, um, Mickey Rourke's a when he tries Mickey works a fantastic actor and like, I'm not, I, I think dude. he visited like some Russian prisons or something for that. Dude, yeah. He, he should be an Oscar winner in 2008. He should have won the Oscar for the wrestler, but Hollywood wasn't going to do that. So they just gave him an honorary nom, but like the, <laughs> the dude no. anyway, side story. I'm, what I'm saying is, is like, I'm frustrated because the solution seems simple to me. Anthony Mackie is your hall of fame pick here. He's the talent, he's the titular character, he is the cornerstone, and he is more than capable of being the centerpiece of this show. If you are suffering from too many ingredients in the stew and you need to strip things back, when in doubt, get rid of something that you don't need and just give that extra airspace to the most talented individual in your cast. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I'm with you 100%. And I, and frankly, I, I don't know what's going on with Sharon Carter either. Like, I don't understand. Like, uh, so obviously she's the power broker, right? Like, that's what that is. <laughs> and also, and, like, the whole exposition that they got at gunpoint, which is like, oh, oh right. here, oh. I'm going to shoot you. No, wait, gunpoint. And wait, oh, wait, here's everything that happened to my family right now. I'm just going to tell you right, right now. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and I, I, I like the idea of what I do like. I like what they're approaching with her. I like the idea that, you know, hey, justice was not applied equally and Sam and Bucky got pardons, but because Sharon wasn't an Avenger, she's still out living off the grid. Okay, I, I think there's something to that story. I don't mind exploring how that would have embittered her. Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with any of those concepts. I just think it's already a crowded stage and trying to squeeze this in again, there's too many ingredients in the stew. I, I think, I think or the Emily best thing- von Comp, she can't, she can't ever get a, get a good break. Like, like she's, she's talented and mm-hmm. she's incredibly successful, but the bulk of her TV work that she's chosen, like she's popular and everything, but the bulk of her TV work that she's chosen has always just been kind of like almost almost right she was like she was in she was in um brothers and sisters and revenge oh yeah i'm pulling up her imdb right here it's like brothers and sisters instead of parenthood and revenge instead of scandal and like yeah exactly and then she was in the 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 new medical drama the um what was it the the um the resident the resident that's it and like i we we tried watching that for a while and it was comically bad like Mm. and, and it has nothing to do with her talent it's just the scripts or the, or the writers that she's getting paired up with just don't ever do, do any justice for her. And I feel like I, I was like, okay, I'm really excited to see her in this because I was like, it's an MCU property. She's going to get some space to breathe. Let's do this. I, I'm ready. Let's, let's give me Emily some time to shine. And then the first scene she walks in and I was like, really? They're, that's the crappy dialogue and situation they're going to give her. Like she can't catch a break and it's not her fault. Is it possible? I'm I'm shooting from the hip here, right? But is it possible that this show is living 
in the very long and unenviable shadow of the Russo brothers who oh yeah maybe I is, don't know. is it possible that and, and again this just occurred to me so i have not taken any time i may regret saying this in 30 seconds but um is it possible that the russos with the winter soldier the movie and i know you don't like civil war but then they did a Vin, they did two brilliant avengers films is it possible that the russos elevated what they were doing and this show is trying like there's only well, there's not one, there's two. There's only two Russos, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and I almost wonder if this show wouldn't benefit from trying to be less of a continuation of the Russo-style Captain America stories and tried to strike out on its own and find its own voice moving forward. Because a lot of the things that they're dealing with here, it's kind of like they grabbed something out of the Russo version interpretation and... It, we're getting kind of a pale imitation of itself, right? Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. Is it possible that the show just doesn't have its own voice yet? I think that's that's the point right there. Nail hitting head is what you have just done. That's halfway through the season. That's the big unanswerable question that we won't be able to know until we see the whole thing. But right now, if you're if I'm judging the first three episodes in a vacuum, I'm saying it's struggling to find its footing. And that's probably the reason why it's in an identity issue. I, the, the big thing I was wanting to, I was going to come in with this episode with, which is not nearly as interesting as yours, which is, would we be viewing this show differently if it came out before WandaVision? But I think, mm, I think yours gets more to the that. heart of the matter. Cause part of me was wondering if like, it's not fair to compare the shows cause they're very, very different, but even with the problematic stuff that we unpacked with WandaVision, I made it perfectly clear, at least on our episode about WandaVision, that I really enjoyed that show and I and I found more goodness and therapy there than I than I ever expected. And it also reinvented an awful lot of the tropes that we were expecting from a comic book property hitting TV screens. Like it just it was so upper crust in just about every capacity of that show, right? So I can't help but carry a little bit of that momentum and that baggage in with me to this next one that literally gets released right on the heels of that other culmination. Now I'm sitting here wondering, would my attitude be differently about the show if it came first? But at the same time, we would still probably be asking your question, Jake, which is, let's say we dig this show, right? It comes out before WandaVision. We don't have all of this extra stuff that's kind of being like, oh, this is what MCU is doing. We would still probably be saying like, mm, they, it felt like they were trying to do Russo's except they're not Russo's, right? Well, and, and I guess this is the point where I feel like I've been critical enough of it that I need to come back around and say, I am enjoying it is the funny thing. I, I think that I'm liking the show more than I'm not. Um, but I think you raise, I, I do want to explore your thought though, because WandaVision tonally, right. And we keep coming back to this idea of tone, um, tonally WandaVision. Because tone needs to be consistent in order for it to be good. Consistent is a thing. Thank you. WandaVision, it, it scratched an itch for me, man. I love you know, I, I mean, I made no secret of one of my very favorite writers wrote my wrote my favorite comic book series ever. Some of my favorite novels, Neil Gaiman lives in this space of things that are fun, but a little creepy and a lot mysterious. Right. And I love that kind of stuff. I love stuff that it's, you know, like WandaVision was so corny, but just a little sinister. And that weird concoction hit me right where I live. And I said, Oh crap, this is excellent. And it, it, you know, even when it wasn't firing on all cylinders, that tone, I was there for it, right? The weirdness of it. Falcon and winter soldier is in some ways, does it feel like the, with this, the scheduling, does it feel like they gave us a palate cleanser before they go into Loki and do more time travel dimension stuff? And is it possible that, I guess, yeah. I mean, how how much should we be considering the scheduling here and the fact that we got this delightful, zany trip with WandaVision and now we're going back to something that's very by the numbers, frankly. It's it's very, very by the numbers. It's it's a the dichotomy is stark. 
Yeah, it really is. And, and I'm not expecting, and obviously these are all completely different creative teams behind all of these shows. I get that. Um, but my thoughts on Loki, notwithstanding that you're over it. I know (laughs) Tom Hiddleston's too talented to keep getting that one note treatment (laughs) of that character. But, um, the thing, the thing is, is I'm not expecting everything to be WandaVision. I don't think that's fair, but the other thing that WandaVision did beside just consistent tone, and you can't say that you're consistently inconsistent. That's not a thing, but um, (laughs) besides that is WandaVision was groundbreaking, if nothing else, for the sake of saying like, okay, here we are controlling the zeitgeist in the, in the midst of the true renaissance of comic book entertainment and WandaVision dared to step up to the plate. It's Babe Ruth calling their shot. WandaVision dared to step up to the plate and said, what if we put two of the most random and underknown characters at the center of not just a movie, a television show, and we make you watch it in a weekly clip rather than binging it. And what if we made character nuance, actual real acting and character nuance, the centerpiece of the show? And they friggin' did it, man. And so, like, it's maybe, maybe I'm being unfair and I'm completely resigned to that fact. Like, maybe I'm being unfair with expectations, but I was like, okay, as far as I'm concerned, from a storytelling perspective and from a cultural influence perspective, WandaVision broke through the ceiling and found another level we didn't know existed. Right. And, a week later, we're being asked to enter into this other space that says we're going to be just as important, if not more so. And I'm watching it going, is it though? <laughs> is it is it possible? Like, is it possible that this is a Rorschach thing? Not not the character, but it's a Rorschach test where it's saying more about us than it is about the show, how we respond to it. Because Oh, I'm sure. Cause I bet there are a ton of captain America and this isn't meant to be a slight at all. I, this is just an observation from what I've seen on Twitter. I'm sure there are a ton of captain America stands that are really loving this treatment here. Yeah. Well, and th- I guess for me, I'm wondering just in the confines of this podcast, are we seeing that maybe I'm a little bit more susceptible to the Marvel brand than you are and that what we're getting is it, it, I guess what I'm looking at is what we're getting is inconsistent. It is weirdly written at times. It's overcrowded with ideas, but it's hitting this, this like minimum requirement for Marvel level fun where they just Marvel knows how to give you like a standard fun experience with their stuff now. Mm. And they've kind of mastered that. And is it maybe just that like, I'm cool drinking that Kool-Aid and you're asking a little more of it. I, that, yeah, again, you proved to be the smarter one on this podcast. I think, but I'm drinking the Kool-Aid Mitch. I mean, (laughs) I don't know if, I don't know if, if, I don't know if it's that as much as maybe it is, um, Maybe I need to be more realistic with expectations. And that doesn't mean I'm bringing down the level of entertainment. It's just like, if you, I don't know. I'm th- I was thinking about two things while you were talking. One is if I were to make my list of top five favorite um, MCU movies, my top five looks very different than most of the mainstream conversation says on Twitter. So that says a lot. Well, about yeah, because you don't like Civil War or Loki. So you've basically right. like you've thrown out like half of what America loves about these movies. I have. Exactly. <laughs> and my, my my top five probably includes the Incredible Hulk and it probably includes Captain Marvel. And I'm going to put Black Panther at the top and not one of the end game or Infinity War at the top. So that already separates that already makes me different from an awful lot of people. That doesn't make me special. It just means that my taste is probably more hard to please. Um, and, and more rigid than a lot of other folks, which is okay. Um, but so, so there's that, but then the other thing is too, is there's so much stuff in the MCU and oh, right. And, and, and there's and more think, every month. I think we talked, this is really going back into the vault. We talked about this, I think on our Ant-Man and the Wasp episode, whenever that came out two years ago, right. Which is you almost have to take a look at what the standard is. And just for the sake of sheer numbers, the amount of titles that can be 
Black Panther, if that's my standard, <laughs> is is minimal compared to the ones that can be Ant-Man. That doesn't make Ant-Man bad. Ant-Man's great and incredibly entertaining, but I don't know of many people that would say that Ant-Man represents the best of what comic book cinema can be, but it represents the best of what like the mid-level, highly entertaining comic book cinema can be, right? That's mm. what we have more of from a number standpoint. So maybe Falcon and Winter Soldier is exactly as what you've put it, Jake, which is it's following the Marvel formula and it's doing it better than it's not. And also, you know what? That's most of what we have. And maybe I'm just being unfair when I'm saying like, but I love Black Panther and WandaVision. Why can't you give me that every time? <laughs> Man, that's a really good point. I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Who's like a really great role player in NBA history? Like, oh, it's Grant. Or... No, it's it's going to be Mike Connolly. When Mike, there you Con go. When Maybe Mike Connolly week... retires, he's going to be the greatest player to never make an All Star team, and he's going to be on the fringe of the Hall of Fame. But he was by at, at his peak he was in the conversation with either the best or the second best point guard in the league at the time that he played. So maybe this, maybe this show is just content to be Mike Connolly. Like maybe, maybe it's happy being, see, I'm now like browsing lists of like famous NBA role players. I'm like Lamar Odom or not. Maybe nope, we're not going down that train. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's just content to Robert, be Robert Ori, Robert Ori, big game, Bob. That's big, exactly big it. Shot, Bob. That's a big shot, Bob. That's it. So this, this, maybe this show is going to end with a huge Steve bang. Kerr. Steve Kerr. It's going to, it's going to, no, Mark I'm Price. sticking with, I'm sticking with Robert Ory because this show is going to, it's going to fly beneath the radar for two more episodes. And then in episode six, it's going to be a perfect episode. Sam's going to take up the shield. They're going to announce the day of that Anthony Mackie has signed a five movie deal and that he's going to be headlining the next Captain America film. And that is the game winning shot from Big Shot Bob. You're you're hopeful, and I'm right there. Hope springs do, eternal, man. If they do that, I'm not I'm not sure it can save the entire show. But man, will it will it give it a good grade on the curve? You Absolutely. Know, and and here's an interesting thing: How much are we going to in a few weeks judge this show not just by what it itself is, but by what it empowers and creates and enables in the mcu moving forward well Will this one maybe may, this one potentially carries more stakes for the greater mcu than wandavision yes. probably did right but i i'm really interested to see where the refugee conversation ends on this yeah like if I, i'm judging you know the, what, if man, i'm though, judging the show in a vacuum that's a big tipping point for me if i'm judging in the greater landscape of the mcu mackie's got to be captain right so so here's the thing i don't I don't know that you're going to be thrilled, you know, I and I don't be. mean that. I, I don't mean that to be a pessimist, but I don't think I maybe. and I'm not trying to sell Marvel short here or anybody in the creative room for this show. I, I just don't know that as much fun as WandaVision was right. And as wacky as Loki looks, it feels to me like at least this first wave of Disney plus shows while they are kind of fun on their face, while they're really fun at times, ultimately their real purpose is to move pieces into different places on the board for moves that they're going to make later, right? Mm -hmm. Like WandaVision, as unique and awesome as it was at its best, WandaVision feels like it mostly was about establishing a norm for Wanda so she can be the second lead in Doctor Strange. And falcon and the winter soldier for as much as it seems to be coming close to having a serious conversation about social issues it seems to want to mostly figure out who's captain america for the next avengers movie and loki looks like it's going to be establishing our multiverse and on and on and so i wonder if maybe maybe i'm not asking too much of these shows you know i mean maybe marvel isn't i Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that Marvel and I don't want the same things out of it. Yeah. Maybe. Well, and, and, and the other thing is, too, is you, the bottom line for Marvel is how do you keep the threads connected and but but going at the same time? And that, and that that's that's priority number. Well, priority number one is to be entertaining and make money. Priority number two is to how do you pull new threads and keep them going, but but build something that's intertwined along the way right so uh, what you've highlighted there makes perfect sense i just 
The social, and that's not to excuse it by, no, by any but the, means. The social issue thing is, is you don't have to go that route. Then. Exactly. I, I, yes, I'm with you 100%. It's to the where same I would thing say, we said with WandaVision with the consequence piece. It's like they introduced it. They yeah, didn't have that's, to. Nobody asked you to explore grief, guys. Like <laughs> nobody, nobody was begging you to create an original universe that you control, own, and operate where there are refugee camps producing villains. Mm-hmm. Nobody forced that upon you. Therefore, no, that's a great point, man. And and if if they are flirting with these ideas of deeper art, but you know what? I think what we're seeing though is that struggle between. And I don't mean struggle in a way like there's anyone evil pulling the strings. I think Feige has earned our trust. Totally. And I think in Feige, MCU, in Feige, we trust. Absolutely. Especially so, when it comes to grand vision. Yeah. And so I'm not questioning the will of the quote suits, you know, the suits as they were that were holding back the MCU have all been dealt with at this point. I, I what I'm questioning is, are we watching a conversation in real time? Are they trying to sort out art versus entertainment and how do we fuse it? How do we make blockbuster popcorn entertainment that is also high level art that explores important social issues? And is it just that they're trying, we're watching them do trial and error. Mm-hmm. And and that's not to excuse any mistakes made, you know. Well, they well they've also they've also earned our loyalty in that in that light, and and the TV thing is kind of new and everything. So, so testing things in the lab and seeing how it performs that's part of what you do. I get that, mm-hmm. and I think that I think that's a good way to kind of end that conversation to say this is how we give them a fair shake is also recognizing like okay, it's an ongoing conversation, and I'm cool with that. Yeah. Now, all that to say, I, I do think though. You know, you talk, we talk sometimes about criticism being an art form. I, I think that I've reached a point where, you know, if you, if what we do can be called criticism, if I'm, gonna, <laughs> if I'm going to flatter myself with that, that label, I think good criticism takes everything seriously, but itself. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that we have to be able to understand that the artist's are creating and that we are blessed and fortunate to be able to interact with that, but at the same time, still hold them to a standard. And so I think that when they do introduce these ideas and they fall short of it, even if the intention was good, even if the goal was pure, if the execution falls short, I I do think that it's okay to give them credit for the effort, but still state what we actually saw, which was something that didn't quite live up to what it was trying to be. I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. And you know what? To try to echo that point, I, I, I should mention one thing. I legitimately had this thought last night when I was watching the second episode, which is, um, it is flat out remarkable that we're living in a time where for TV, not movies, for TV, we can get this high of a level of high octane action entertainment. Like the action sequences and the the set pieces, the production design, the special effects, all of it is just mind blowing to think that this is becoming a version of normal for the small box. And not just the big silver screen. And, and, I, and I think sometimes I've, I've got to do a better job of centering myself on that from the fact of like, I just watched something that I saw in Avengers Endgame on a TV show on a streaming platform, not paying 12 bucks to go see it at the IMAX, right? Like that's, that's a really big deal. And that's groundbreaking in and of its own sense. Like the fact that like, if I enjoy watching these types of shows and if I enjoy some action entertainment now and again, like I, I don't really have to give any sort of liberties to say like, well, it's TV. Like I don't have to do that anymore, man. That's flat out incredible. That's a good call. And I, and I think that You know, and I I guess I come back to, I think it's possible to appreciate and enjoy. Like one thing that's been fun for me about this whole process is learning that I am capable of compartmentalizing in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can both enjoy these things for what they are and still break them down and pick out the things that could have been improved, highlight the things that really went well 
And, and I, I really, so I say all that to say, I think that it's possible to find that space where we ask more of these projects, but still celebrate them and, and, and enjoy them while they're in front of us. So I say that to say, you know, this is a long roundabout way to come back to saying, I think you're spot on with your analysis of the refugee situation and of the, of the flag smashers. I, I think that a lot more could be done with those characters. And my great hope is that in a few weeks, we're right back here praising those characterizations and how they handled it. Um, Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm skeptical, to be frank, that that's where they're going to do. <laughs> I, I think our listeners could detect that we have we are a little skeptical about this one. But yeah. you're, you're right. We still have, we literally have 50% of the show left to go. Yeah. There, it, there is so much, so much to be explored and there so much can happen in that time. We have, a, we have another three hours to invest into this, to see how it's going to come together. Yeah. And that, and it's going to be a great three more hours, even if, I guess for me, even if it's not, you know, the best thing I've ever seen, it's awesome to get to watch it. And it's still great to live in that world where these things happen on screen. So couldn't agree more. I'm on board, man. I, I would say, so, so let me ask you this. What, I'm, I think I'm kind of stealing your bit here because normally you go more moderator than me, but I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I, I want to know from you what, because I think I know what we both fear for this. What do you hope you see? Because I rambled a bit about Sam as Cap. What do you hope you see out of the next three episodes? I would love to see just, I would love to see an earned emotional moment with Bucky that mm. it, he had his best moments in the MCU have been piggybacked off of Chris Evans's prowess. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean he's a bad, doesn't mean that Sebastian stands a bad winter soldier or according to the internet, ugly to look at. Um, but <laughs> the, 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 dude, the dude is uncomfortably handsome, but the, but also like, okay, this, this is his time, right? I would, I would like to see Anthony I want to see Anthony Mackney as captain. We've we've unpacked all of that. That's priority number one, and 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 I and I've posted on Twitter too before saying my biggest excitement about the show was to see Anthony Mackey take the reins because he's been one of the more talented people in in the MCU and he just hadn't had opportunity yet. But can, can we get a moment with Bucky where we can see a little bit of nuance and a little bit of range and a little bit of character progress? Can we, can we see that and have it be a moment that is his? And then um, I would love to see Zemo die a very entertaining <laughs> and painful death because he's not needed and he's ridiculous. And so if like, if something happened to him that was just so utterly ridiculous, you couldn't help but clap, I'd be cool with that. I, I think, yeah, I, I honestly was hoping... You know, when he went rogue and shot the guy with the super soldier serum and everything in the cargo, the crate, whatever it was, uh, shipping container, that's the word. Yes. Um, I, I was I was kind of hoping that he was going to just like run out the back door cackling and, you know, oh, man, now Zemo's out there for a sequel. Um, I was kind of like, may, okay, this may work. have been Let's... better. Totally. It may have been better. Well, then him pulling up in the sports car, you know, where it's like, oh, OK, all right, we're going to do this end on it. Um. I, he's, uh, yeah. he's a baron he is a baron he's you know and, and he was like i get it he's baron zemo in the comics i don't well there was nothing wrong with that little bit of dialogue to turn him into baron zemo nothing wrong with it nothing wrong with any of it in theory it just doesn't make sense for me to have him in the show that's all I've, I've liked a few of his moments but every time i've liked one i've said well that's not about him that's about the fact that anthony mackie seems to have chemistry with everyone and exactly, that right. he's like, elevating everything going on around him at all times and yeah i mm. anthony mackie's the man he's so good i'm i knew i liked him like I'm, I'm not saying i was unaware of how awesome he was but the moments where they have let him carry this thing are the first ones i've ever seen marvel let him carry a thing 
and it's so good. Like the potential. So well, if oh you my look, gosh. If you look at his IMDb paging, you see. Oh yeah. The, the guy's got range. He's got range, but the kind of filmmakers that he's worked with and everything, like he's been in best picture winners. He's worked with best director winners. Like he's been in um, meaningful, meaningful movies and carried big parts. He's been in, he's been in entertaining popcorn movies. Like the guy has worked with some incredible people and it's, it's just nice to see that Marvel is granting him some space to finally like do that here. He, it's clear to me. And I love what you're talking about with the MDB and the kind of things he's been in. It's clear to me that a lot of very smart and talented people trust him mm-hmm. to bring their projects some depth. And, and it is, it is the best, it's the worst kept secret that, you know, a lot of your depth comes from those character actors and those people on the periphery. And I'm so psyched to see someone with his skill and talent who has shown it over the years be allowed to carry a major franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to be so heartbroken if that's not where this ends. And I'm, I'm 99% Absolutely. sure it is. I, you it's know, spoilers. To, right? Well, okay. So potential spoilers here, turn it off. If you don't want to hear this, Mitch, I apologize. I'm about to ruin something for you. I'm pretty sure. Cause like the real big spoilers come from action figures because they got to get those made before the thing comes out. And sometimes yeah. people get a hold of them. I'm pretty sure like three months ago, someone got a hold of a Sam Wilson Captain America action figure and put it up on Reddit. And everybody was like, oh, so that's how that show's going to end. So I, I think it's almost definitely how it's going to go. Good old Reddit. Always yeah, there. Yeah, doing, there you go. Doing, doing the Lord's work, that Reddit. Making sure no secrets are truly secret. Oh man, my goodness gracious. Can you I just had a random thought. Can you imagine how ridiculously upset Alfred Hitchcock would have been if Reddit was around when they were filming Psycho and oh the Janet Lee, and the Janet Lee piece would have would have come out before the fact that had been wild. I, you're playing one of my favorite games right now, which is uh how badly would the internet ruin good things if they Yes, exactly. Yeah, like well, okay, so let's play this game. You know nobody would like Michael Jordan if he had played basketball during the age of the internet, right? Like, oh no, no way. No one would like him because you know what? He's not a third oh. as likable of a human as LeBron James. Yeah, all and you have to dismantle LeBron. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, all you have to do is look at the way people talk about LeBron, who is by all weights and measures a one of the most remarkable human beings in our country right now, as far as just like doing humanitarian work and being a nice guy, and also right. the best to play the game in his era. I don't know. Like, <laughs> and I'm not trying to. I'm listen. I've Wait, got a before we go any further. It? Can we give a shout out to Zach Quaintance? Zach, yeah, we're, Zach, we're gonna tag you in Twitter because we've given you a lot of basketball content on this episode, and we know you'll appreciate it. Love you, buddy. <laughs> here's here's the thing. I've got strong opinions that if anyone wants to have the talk, I'm up for it. I'm not gonna do it here. I'm not trying to get into LeBron or MJ, who's the greatest. I do think there's an answer, and I do have it. But what I am saying is. People are losing their crap over LeBron James in Space Jam because he's not Michael. But spend 10 minutes watching any interview with either of those men and tell me you'd rather hang out with Michael Jordan. And I'll just call you a liar. That's cool. Because LeBron just looks like the easiest guy in the world to talk to. He just looks like a nice dude. Well, I don't care what anybody says. I'm stoked for Space Jam too. I'm, <laughs> I am there for it, man. My kids don't even know that that's going to be their favorite movie of the year. Oh my gosh. It's going to be amazing. I am so that's that's the multiverse right there right well the iron giant the freaking iron giant marched across the screen and i was like oh okay can we talk about how everybody wants to drop the iron giant into this ip stuff but they're always making it into a weapon when the whole purpose of the iron giant is that he's not a weapon i'm your lips to god's ears man uh like it's uh, brad bird probably sees that every time and he's like really they really like over the head every damn time but, but is there is there a better it's one of the best like snapshots of everything that's wrong with the human race up there with the way that like <laughs> we ruined the iron giant, right? Well, up there with like, it's, it's, it's on a level with the fact that like zombie movies were made as a statement about consumerism. So what did we do? We went and made 16,000 zombie IPs in the year and put them out everywhere, you know, completely unironically, not understanding at all. 
and everybody's like, oh, I love zombie stuff. I'll watch any zombie thing. I'm like, yeah, I bet you will. And um, <laughs> so I, there goes the rest of our audience. Shout out to day. everyone that's still watching The Walking Dead because it's apparently still on TV. I don't know why. Like, what, okay, I had this conversation today. It's, on, it's got one season left. It's, uh, I didn't, my wife asked me how watching comics would have done if we had been on, uh, on the internet when Walking Dead was at its peak. And I was like, we probably would have ignored it. Like, you know, we'd I'll have done honest. a rave review about the first episode and then we'd have dropped off quick. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. I've only seen the first episode uh, five years ago, six years ago. I was like, okay, I finished. I had finally, I was late to Breaking Bad. I finished Breaking Bad. I finished Mad Men in real time because it's one of my favorite shows of all time. And I was looking for the next new thing, right? I was like, okay, Newsroom, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Dexter, they're all done. Those were like my run for a while. I was like, I, I need the next new thing. Everyone's talking about The Walking Dead. And I watched the first episode and I was like, this is made really well, Frank Darabont. It's like, it's made really well but not my thing. And I just never felt compelled to get back into it. And as it has overstayed its welcome, boy, has that become obvious to me that I have made the right choice. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, as somebody who hung around for a few seasons on it, it's not that it was terrible. It's just that it, it never lived up to that. That first episode was so in line with the comic as far as tone and, and production and everything. And it just never really lived up to that first episode. The rest of the show just, and, and there's so many reasons for that. So much crap went on behind the scenes, but uh, yeah, I, it wasn't for me. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> so there it is. Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're halfway through. We've got three more weeks to go. And I'm, there's a lot to, to see. Like, I don't, we, we've got to see how they land this plane. But um, if you're still trekking with us through this episode, then you obviously know how we feel about the show. So we definitely need to hear from you, listeners. You want to hit us up on Twitter at Watch Comics Pod. That's comics with an X at Watch Comics Pod. Let us know your takes on Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far. Um, uh, and of course, you know, shout out to the geek dad podcast network, a wonderful place to call home. We love being with those folks over there, but, um, listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this ride. Um, if you dug this episode or if you dig the show as a whole, we would love it. If you gave us a rating and review on whatever pod platform you listen to us on, it's a great way to share the love, pay it forward and help other people find us along the way. And if you do that, we will give you a lifetime supply of free high fives as reward. Who can say no to that? It's a pretty sweet deal. Um, we got a lot more fun stuff coming up down the pike later this month. We're going to be uh, talking about Willow, Willow, and, Willow. and Sin City. We're bringing back a friend of the pod, Matt Merrill Lowry, to talk about his latest creative project on Kickstarter. A lot of great stuff coming up, so you won't want to miss it. We will be coming at you next week, listeners, with some more awesome stuff. We'll talk to you then. 